What good is the warmth of summer without the cold of winter to give it sweetness? John Steinbeck. Welcome. Thank you for listening to the Warfare Advancement and Revisionism podcast. My name is Preston Floyd, and today is episode four. Um, what we'll be going into today, we'll be covering Homo sapien development and migration during the Emiad and the beginnings of the last glacial period. Um, still no feedback from the first few episodes. This is being recorded a day or two after the uh, third episode was recorded. So um, episode one has come out. I'm pleased with the initial number of downloads for just a podcast starting brand new fresh. But um, anyway, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the topic at hand. So as we left off, the penultimate glacial period had come to an end, and Homo sapiens had clothes of leather and fur, and if they didn't already have it, they were in the process of developing language. They also would have begun experimenting with ornamentation that served no purpose beyond aesthetics. There are instances of seashells and their fragments being used as beads as early as 142,000 years ago, and this would spread all around the Mediterranean by 115,000 years ago, and that includes Neanderthals. Um, now, they could have developed that on their own, but it's also possible that, you know, there was some small level of trade and they picked it up from uh, Homo sapiens. So, the Emian, geologically speaking, is a very brief time frame to talk about. Uh, starting around 130,000 years ago, it only lasted about 15,000 years. But it was a very crucial time in our development, and its relatively abrupt end probably helped contribute to our exit from Africa occurring when it did. Uh, it is also important to note that while temperatures were close to what we see today, they were also a couple of degrees warmer in general. So while Africa's climate was still very close to what we see there today, during the Emian, there would have been much more rainfall and higher water levels. It would see the rainforests of Central Africa expand and take back ground that had, it had given to the temperate forests during the prior glacial period. <clears throat> the Sahara, which goes through greener periods every 20,000 years or so because of the Earth's tilt and access, would be extra green in this cycle, with the desert almost completely disappearing. Today, where there is a massive desert band that divides the green of the center of the continent and the green of the Mediterranean sea border regions, there would be a lush savanna with as much as 80% of it covered by some type of foliage, be it shrubs or even trees. There would be numerous lakes, rivers, and ponds that there is no sign of today. All of which would attract animals, herbivores, and their predators. Uh, the bodies of water that do exist there today uh, would be very different as well. Lake Chad, for example, would be massive. Uh, it would probably be closer to an inland sea, really, than any, you know, more than a lake. Uh, and this changes beginning right in the middle of um, the estimated time frame of when the ancestors of modern-day West Africans would have separated from the, I guess, the group occupying our original region in East Africa. 
And 5,000 years into this 15,000 year period is the very start of the estimate of when the ancestors of all Homo sapiens outside of Africa split from the East African group. Personally, I feel that both groups probably separated sometime in this period with in relative proximity to each other in terms of time frame. Uh, the amount of forage and animal population would have skyrocketed and we, you know, we would have, our population would have been no different. Um, also, those le leather tools I mentioned the last time were found in a site in Morocco called, I think it's uh, near Rabat. Um, so this is a good time to remind everyone listening that there were other groups of Homo sapiens um, that are currently traceable, uh, traceable lineages are interacting with. Uh, these parallel groups are a bit more difficult to trace on their own as we haven't been able to find DNA samples from their remains and thus we can't find out exactly how we are related as of yet. So these parallel groups had spread into Eurasia in small numbers prior to this. There is evidence of them in Greece around about 210,000 years ago and that group had been replaced in the region by Neanderthals about 40,000 years after that. So now as far as I know there's no evidence that this was a violent replacement. Um, it's possible that it was of course but as I don't think the fossils really show that you know that it was necessarily a violent takeover. Another possibility is that they were not able to compete and survive in the penultimate glacial period um, that began after that time and they died out or left because they were not able to compete um, with their current tool set. Now early Homo sapien groups probably tried to leave Africa several times. Uh, there is evidence from I think 140 to 120,000 years ago that some of these groups also mixed with the Neanderthals or a similar currently unidentified hominid in the Middle East. Uh, they were cooking meat and developed their own method of creating tools. Whatever our exact relation to these parallel groups though, we would have probably mixed or remixed with any groups that had remained along the coasts of North Africa and the Middle East if any had managed to survive the prior desertification period of the Sahara by staying near the Nile or coast or its um, or the Mediterranean coastlines. I believe this would have been relatively peaceful interactions as there would be far more food available at this time and thus no real need for major conflicts. In addition to develop, uh, definitively expanding our habitat during the Emian period, we also saw more development of a cultural nature. We begin to find evidence of deliberate burial of bones. Uh, they were found in caves in modern-day Israel. Um, we had probably had, of course, some type of ritual for the dead prior to this point. Because again, in these time frames, the first instance we have found is extremely unlikely to be the first instance of said find. Uh, these developments lead me to believe that we had probably already developed language. Uh, as I said last time, by 100,000 years ago, we had definitely had speech. <clears throat> we also would have had some type of um, musical ability, simple stuff like mimicking birds, whistling, uh, things like that, but we would not have any, any kind of instruments at this point. But sadly for our ancestors, this time of plenty would be coming to an abrupt end. 
The penultimate glacial period lasted 60,000 years. The Emian only 15. The last glacial period would last over 100,000 years. Now, while this period lasted longer than the penultimate glacial period, it would see less coverage um, worldwide at a time. Uh, with some parts of the world being less affected than others during different periods. Around 110,000 years ago, the dry climate and lower water levels had returned uh, to um, the north of Africa, and the, of course the lower water, water levels are worldwide. Uh, this would mean that Homo sapiens would have had to eat more meat to survive and keep their numbers up. Um, our development of language by this point would allow us to form larger groups and coordinate more effectively. The problem is that, of course, there is less food for us to prey on as well. Um, with us becoming more effective hunters and less food to go around, I imagine that uh, would be devastating to a lot of different animal populations, both predator and prey groups. Prey groups, obviously, because we're killing and eating them. Predator groups, because we're, we might be killing and eating them but we would also be you know more efficient competitors uh, with them so even if we weren't killing them directly we'd be killing them by taking their food i think it's also safe to assume that at this time uh, there would have been um, probably more serious intergroup conflicts between homo sapiens uh, with less resources to go around there would have had to have been more violent competition uh, this increase in violence and lack of food uh, where we were living had to have caused some groups to leave Africa at this point in time. The numbers that left in this uh, frame about 110,000 years ago would be small. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't expect you know a number above. A th I, I mean, it'd probably be above a hundred, but less than a thousand. Um, so it's not a huge number. It's just like a small portion. And I doubt they had the tools to outright outcompete any Denisovans or Neanderthals out in the wider world. But this would be the last Homo sapien groups that that would be true of. Uh, you know, when we leave next, we're going to, you know, we're virtually going to outcompete uh, all of these groups um, to the point that they go extinct or are subsumed. Now, for the Homo sapiens that left at this time, some of them would be sassooned and interbreed with Neanderthals. Some would continue east and then probably breed with Denisovans. Some would die out and not pass on any kind of traceable genes or lineage. And finally, there would be others that retreated back into Africa. There is one group of hominid, though, that we wouldn't be interacting with on this wave out of Africa, and that would be Homo erectus. I mentioned in an earlier episode that they didn't develop their tool culture in comparison to Neanderthals and Homo sapiens. With this last climate shift and the resulting animal population drop, they couldn't adapt, and around 117 to 108,000 years ago, they would be extinct. They had roamed the Earth for 2 million years. They're the longest lasting, as far as I'm aware, hominid uh, genus, but uh, we're not close to even halfway, um, halfway to their t um, time frame on the Earth. Um, but we did continue to adapt. We have added a new food stuff to our diet around this point, uh, fish. 
Um, we had eaten probably shellfish, things like clams or oysters um, for a while before this. But um, at this point, we see um, bone bones carved into barbed points, kind of making early fishing hooks. Um, and they'd be attached to little spears that would be you know, designed for fishing. Um, fish is, of course, rich in omega-3s, which would only help boost our overall health and brain activity. Um, at the same site, the fish spear was found skeletons of catfish that weighed um, 150 pounds or 68 kilograms were located. Um, that is massive. Uh, that's, that's a hell of a fish, especially for, you know, something that you'd be catching in a river a few miles inland. Um, you could feed a group of 150 people for one day, um, or a smaller group for up to, you know, four or five days, depending on how you were preparing that. Uh, in addition to carving bones for practical purposes, we are also beginning to start making bones for reasons, uh, I'm sorry, start marking bones uh, with uh, designs or kind of like notches. Um, there's no practical reason that we've been able to, you know, put that why that was done. Uh, there is uh, the thought that these uh, marked bones might be some kind of like tally stick. Um, keeping track of something. Uh, this means we could have developed, you know, a basic counting or record keeping. Uh, obviously, very bare bones record keeping and counting, you know, nothing major. But it is it is the start of that process. Uh, now, in the next episode, we're going to go over some later examples of these items uh, that give us a lot more to speculate about. Um, we also begin to see further refinement of our toolkit. Um, not new tools per se, but uh, made of better material or of combining different materials to make compound tools, um, which is just, you know, two, um, two items uh, or two tools put together um, or used more closely together. So, um, about 80,000 years ago, a small number of Homo sapiens had left Africa uh, for another wave of uh, migration. And only a small number of those had been able to establish themselves successfully. Most of our population still remained in Africa. What that exact number in terms of population is, we don't know at this point. It's a lot of guesswork. Obviously, we're spread out over the entire African continent, and the food availability is not going to be uh, uniform across the entire uh, continent of Africa. So we don't know, you know, with availability for food, if all populations are constant. Um, we can guess from other hunter-gatherers, uh, you know, in their current population, that they, they tend to stay st stable. Um, there's not a huge explosion or decrease in population at any time. But again, you don't know how many are living in a given area at a time either. Um, and of course, there is always the possibility that there were, you know, traumatic events, disasters, catastrophes uh, that could impact that. Um, but the guesstimated numbers I've seen are a little wide ranging at this point. Uh, at 80,000 years ago, the high watermark I've seen is 1 million and the 
lower numbers I've seen anywhere from 250 to 100,000 people. Um, again, none of this is even close to concrete. It's all estimates based on, you know, a number of factors. Some I don't believe are as important as others. Um, one thing to keep in mind is we have no idea, you know, how spread we are in these different regions in Africa. The food situation is different in all of them. Um, we rely on guesswork of this population based on modern day hunter-gatherers, um, which I don't think is necessarily, you know, wrong to do, but these people have had extensive interactions with um, both settled societies and pastoralists, so it's not apples to apples. It's very much apples to oranges. Whatever our numbers were, though, they had to have been dealing with less available food, both plant and animal. Yet there doesn't seem to be a huge you know, drive for us to improve our toolkit other than you know, developing a new spear tip that is used to hunt specifically fish. Now, obviously, adding fish to your diet when you weren't eating it before is, you know, it's good, it's impressive, but it's not, it's not as easy to spear fish in the ocean as it is in a river or pond. So, you, and you have to stay close to water to be able to have access to fish, obviously. It's stunning to me that we don't see a major expansion in our toolkit when it comes to hunting or gathering at this point. Because at this, at this stage, you're 20,000 years in. A time period where plants are not growing as frequently or as healthily as they had in the past. And of course, that's affecting your other major food source animals. Um, in fact, some of the animals you probably like to hunt the most, their populations are starting to drop. Uh, but it seems like more of your development is on ritual or ornamental items as opposed to, you know, legitimate or not legitimate, but, you know, effective survival tools. It's, it's very fascinating. It shows that, you know, we have never really been all that rational in the grand scheme of things uh, but that's going to change um, it's going to be a slow change and we don't know exactly when it happens or what causes the final shift but in our next episode uh, we're going to discuss the Toba catastrophe or the Toba disaster uh, as it is sometimes referred as and we're going to see us develop a tool that is uh, going to revolutionize how we hunt and it's going to have long-term impacts on our development both physically and culturally and uh, it's going to affect how we compete with the other hominids out in the rest of the world as um, next time again we'll go over Toba and our further expansion out of Africa. Uh, I do thank everyone for listening. I know this is a little bit shorter of an episode, only around 20 minutes or so. Um, 
next episode will probably be back to a longer length, um, at least the next regular episode. Uh, I do have a couple of meta episodes planned. I may have the script done for episode five first. If not, I may do one meta episode and then do maybe five and six and then the second meta episode. Um, and at that point, we will be getting into um, the Copper Age probably. So we're gonna get to some more firm sources and, well, not sources, obviously there's um, no written record still at that point, but we're going to be getting into things that are a little more certain, uh, and we'll be speeding up the time frames we're covering, or at least we'll be covering shorter time frames, but the episodes will start to get longer as we go in more in-depth into our advancements. Uh, but again, I want to thank everyone for listening. This has been Warfare Advancement and Revisionism, or the War Podcast. Uh, you can reach me at war adrevpod at gmail.com for any feedback. Uh, I haven't gotten any emails about episode one just yet, but uh, I hope I do get some shortly. Uh, I hope everyone has a wonderful day, and see you guys next time.